0: Hello, and welcome to the Victory Podcast. I'm your host, Monique Watson. On this episode, I sat down with local WBOK 1230 AM New Orleans uh, hosts of the the Good Morning Show, Sally Ann Roberts and Torrin Sanders as guest hosts. Today, we talked a bit about uh, living with the pandemic, anti-vax, and we also talked a bit as what I titled the New Orleans Renaissance that The New Orleans area is on the verge of an amazing renaissance, um, if we do it right. So I hope you listen and enjoy, and uh, thanks for listening.
1: Good morning, good morning. We're back. We're back. WBOK, uh, 1230 AM. We're here with uh, Sally Ann Robertson and, and also our guest this morning. Monique Watson is going to be here with us.
2: Yes, we have Monique Henry Watson. Yeah. okay Troy I call my the Henry. Okay. All right, all
1: right, all right.
2: Y'all know
0: how y'all people are in New Orleans. But like you right. you I don't know people, that name. I don't know people who your people is. You, who, people we, is. We, we where you went me. to high school. I had that in my bio. So it's like anywhere else, that don't matter. Here, <laughs> yeah. Where you high school, where you yeah. went to.
2: What? What? you Where are you doing? Mm-hmm. Well, Troy Henry is one of the owners of this wonderful station, WBOK. Mm-hmm. And, I tell you what, all the Henry children are doing great things. We're
0: blessed in that way. Yes, ma'am.
2: Well, Monique, tell people a little bit about what you've been doing.
0: So a little bit, we'll talk about my professional life and then my podcast life. So Mm -hmm. professionally, I'm a health and safety professional. My background's in public health and emphasis in environmental and occupational health sciences. I work for a large multinational uh, corporation. And uh, recently, as of October, I used to be a health and safety manager for a site in Palo Alto and in October, I took on a more global role. So I support all of our research and development and what are called creative centers globally. So I have sites that I'm res- about 100 something sites that I'm responsible for on every continent, honestly. Um, so now I'm doing a lot more travel and early calls and all this kind of fun stuff. So that's my professional life. And then a couple years ago, I got, you know, the Lord and I had a conversation while I was actually on a plane plane go into a training or something like that about, you know, you should write a book, and then it morphed into you should start a podcast. And I had done some guest podcasting on a friend of mine from Canada when I lived out there for a year and a half that she had the sports podcast. So I started to be more familiar with what it took to do podcasting. Um, And so the Victory podcast kind of emerged out of that. And so it's an interview-style podcast that, you know, I meet a lot of dynamic, interesting people that have, you know, lots of different experiences, challenges that they've met both professionally, personally, and, you know, kind of having those very authentic conversations and really understanding where they're coming from. Because a lot of times, especially in this new age of social media, what you see is the plus, and you don't see what the journey was to get there. And so some of that, those real conversations to talk about their journey, and people are actually very um, open a lot of times and really deeper, um, somewhat emotional conversations about how what it took them to overcome and so that others can learn from that usually tips and tricks if it's career stuff so that's a little bit about well, myself
2: tell me a little bit about your journey as you um, entered your field and and as you began this podcast what brought you
0: so in my field on the on the professional side i honestly wanted to be a physician for years I always wanted oh what do you want to be when you grow up i want to be a doctor so i shadowed a lot of doctors my aunt is a, a board-certified anesthesiologist, spent a lot of time, got out of Howard. My GPA was a little. All right, Howard uh, University. <laughs> Howard uh, University, Bisons, HU, <laughs> you know. We in the house. Um, we in the house. Um, my GPA wasn't where I wanted it to be to apply for medical school. And then talking to other doctors, they were like, go get a master's and then go think about reapplying. And I was like, cool, what am I going to get a master's in? I did my undergrad in bio. I was like, I don't want to do a master's in biology because I don't want to sit at a lab bench all day. I was like, oh, public health, that fits. And then ended up in the kind of at LSU Health Science Center, just kind of up the road um, because Tulane was too expensive for a two-year degree. That's what it was versus um, in-state and all that good stuff. So started in the public health um, and and really went down to this environmental and occupational health sciences was really interesting versus just straight epidemiology or biostatistics or something like that.
1: And now you're talking a whole lot of stuff there. What, what is environmental and occupational? what we'll break that so, down for the thoughts.
0: So, so environmental and occupational, so you think about public health, which has gotten such a spotlight during the pandemic and really brought people's focus. That that is the undercurrent of epidemiology and disease study and things like that. Mm-hmm. Environmental and occupational health sciences, those two fronts, you look at like environmental impacts like air modeling, how you know things in the environment of the air, water and waste are affected and how that affects people's health outcomes. So that's the environmental, which is very side.
1: important for Black folk which uh, is, in terms of um, pollution oh, and and yes. uh, we think about the people living on toxic sites and Correct. all of those kinds of things, right? Correct. Okay. So the
0: environmental side, mm-hmm. where my focus and my career has ended up more in the occupational health side, in the world of what's called industrial hygiene or occupational hygiene. And no hygiene, I'm not talking about how you wash your hands, <laughs> though that is critically important. Brush your teeth, all that good stuff. Occupational hygiene is about monitoring employees in an occupational environment about their exposures to chemicals, noise, things like that. So I spent the early part of my career working in oil and gas, flying offshore, doing noise sampling, chemical sampling, supporting our sites for uh, chemical approval processes, looking at the environment, health and safety aspects, worked for a year and a half in Canada, uh, lived out there with my boyfriend, who's now my husband, um, doing more compliance, looking at what we've said we're going to do from a compliance perspective and making sure that we do those things. And then oil and gas dropped off and switched mm-hmm. to industries, and now I'm supporting research and development. So it's same sort of a, occupational health, making sure people yeah. can do what they do safely.
1: And I know historically um, asbestos, I know that, that it was in thing. my family. My grandfather, you know, they worked in a plant where there was asbestos and everything. And yes. every day now you see co- commercials, mesothelioma, 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 yeah, and all yes. of those kind of things. And so, yeah, so that's very important that Absolutely. we make sure where, because uh, especially the, uh, the occupations or uh, workplaces that many um, black folks have, you know, may be susceptible to having uh, environmental Correct. and occupational hazards.
0: Absolutely. My own grandfather-in-law, who I never got blessed with the opportunity to mean passed away from mesothelioma. Mm. um and a number of the folks that he worked with as well just from the sheer fact of the hallway that they walked to to the lunchroom was an asbestos covered piping that they went through Mm. the one person on their team who didn't die around the same time from mesophilioma brown bagged their lunch so it's simple things that even the exposure not even just the workplace environment but just the environment in which you work or in the places that we live can can you can have exposure in all walks of life
2: well, Monique, your, your work is extremely important. Absolutely. And uh, so tell me now about, tell us about the, the podcast. What could okay. you talk about? What, tell me about that.
0: We talk about a little bit of everything. My first episode um, that I sat down with was a girl that I went with to high school with at Ursuline Academy. Shout out to Ursuline Lyons. Mm-hmm. Um, she, we were in different classes. She was a couple years ahead of me. Um, but we had a conversation where she was in her 20s and lost her husband no pre-existing conditions that they knew of, died instantly from a heart situation. She overcame that and turned that mission into becoming a health coach. So those kind of deeper conversations where people go through grief, people mm-hmm. have unexpected challenges that you have no idea. You meet somebody who's a health coach, you think perfect life, they're mm-hmm. healthy, they have a, you know, but she lost somebody in their 20s where you expect you have a lifetime ahead of them. So those kind of conversations, that was the first episode of the podcast. Um, I've met with um, folks that are supporting that are that have started nonprofits, some folks that have been here on WBOK, even in their, uh, when y'all are back on Gentilly Boulevard. So a variety of people, people talking about careers and how they got into their careers. One of my sister's best friends um, does social media media. Um, communications and stuff like that and really understanding and works for a large organization and doing that and understanding what that is what does that even mean how do you get into that so whether it be your personal life your career learning about podcasting I had a, a guest person on there to talk about you know how they got into podcasting and tips for people who may
1: think I want to start a podcast
0: that's a good question
2: There may be someone listening right now who wants to start a podcast. How do you do that?
1: That's right. And call in at 504-582-9422. We're talking to Monique Henry Watson, a public health professional and the host of the Victory Podcast. Here, talk to us about podcasting. So
0: podcasting is definitely, it is not difficult, but there are some good tools in your toolbox, I think, to get started. There's a lot of different platforms to, to get your podcast from. I recorded something to it's up on the internet somewhere. There's Podbean, there's all kinds of different tools that take that information. You can set up an account. Most of them have free accounts. Blueberry is another one um, that take that and that puts it out through um, different feeds. And then slowly setting up that your podcast through the different podcast platforms, whether that be Spotify, Pandora, um, that they connect with once you get this kind of what's called an RSS feed code, then that will automatically pull your podcast to those different platforms, whether it's Apple Podcasts, um, all those kind of places, which is where the Victory Podcast can be found across all those different platforms.
2: And how do you draw the audience?
0: Um, For a long time, it's about, and I find that you have to have a co-host, just like in this Mm -hmm. kind of dynamic, because otherwise you're kind of talking to yourself. So, I mean, drawing the audience, being out on social media, posting things, and for a long time, it was like, one or two and just understanding you're not going to go from, I made one podcast and all of a sudden I'm a big time podcaster. I'm not even a big time podcaster. I think I have a total of like 3000 downloads, which is not small, yeah, nice. but it's built up over time. Mm-hmm. Um, and just figuring out what that thing is that you want to podcast about. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's okay. Cause there's a lot of podcasts out there. Um, but yeah, this is some kind of initial tip and get a good mic.
1: <laughs> Invest in the microphone. That's right everything you know um podcasting youtube um just social media in general you know i think the phrase that i've heard years ago was the democratization of media yep you know where now before it was just you know abc cbs nbc on and on Mm -hmm. and you had to have a whole lot of money to get on. now with almost no money you know you can you can you can be seen heard by by millions of people um how do you think especially in your generation I'm talking like I'm an old person now how do you think that has <laughs> that that had, that whole social media and 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 being able to get yourself out there how, how has that affected your whole your generation as a whole
0: I think whole? it's I think it's honestly a double-edged sword and I I feel like I'm sort of I'm I'm getting older so I'm 34 now uh-huh. so it's like oh. I don't know if I'm fully in <laughs> I'm baby a baby I still considered the millennials but I'm sort of an older millennial uh-huh. but I think it's a double-edged sword right like the ability for more voices to be heard is always good. We're getting a lot of diverse perspectives. A lot of um, there's not those gatekeepers that keep, especially people of color, women um, from necessarily succeeding. Aside from Miss Sally Ann, who's a rock star. That's in, right. <laughs> I'm just like still blown away to be in the same room on a, on a on a news sort of platform as the same queen across the table. But it's the new. Media, the new age of media, it is democratization. A lot mm-hmm. of people can come to the table. Yeah. The table's even gone in a way, right We just have my ideas and opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, but the flip side of that is that this old alternative facts piece where the uh, journalistic integrity of you know real newscasters, real journalists, real those kind of folks who really have studied the craft of journalism, whether that be radio, television, newspapers um, and those that, that research is a little bit different and challenged and we run into the same level of, quote, expertise, supposedly, of people who may not even know what they're
2: talking mm-hmm. about. And also those who do not um, present the truth. Correct. Uh, they present a, an idea, their opinion. Uh, there's a difference between opinion news and, and the news. Correct. And I, what do you think about um, what they call now the fake news?
0: So fake news is troubling for me both professionally and personally because the fake news and sort of a lot of people with even larger platforms perpetuating Mm -hmm. fake news is a big challenge that we're going to run into and we have to figure out um, the right way to navigate social media or whatever platforms to combat that. Um, It's a challenge, right? You have people with a platform like Aaron Rodgers. Who's facilitating this false narrative around anti-vax mm. and vaccination, and using you know
1: he was animal. immunized. He, he was immunized, was immunized
0: with <laughs> with animal products that somehow you're okay oh. with a, a a thing that says made for swine and horse into your body, but you have questions about a multi-billion-dollar research vaccine. I can't understand.
2: I can't mm-hmm. understand why people are anti-vaxxers. I can't understand why when there are 800,000 people have died in this country alone, um, and yet they say, I won't be vaccinated. Do you have any perspective on what is really behind all of
0: this? So I hear a lot of different, both professionally and some of the, I did do a whole mini-series that you can find on the, on, on our podcast at thevictorypodcast.com about COVID, talking with public health professionals, talking with medical professionals, po- talking with medical students, um, all of those kind of things, to talk about the vaccine, to talk about the pandemic. Um, but some of the arguments I hear is around, you know, it happened too fast. And my response to that is, first off, this research around the mRNA has been around for 30 years, three zero. This technology is well understood. Um, the ability to apply it to this specific Coronavirus, coronaviruses have been around for a while. Mm-hmm. This is a you know novel one for this specific case, um, but this this is not new. When we had SARS and we had MERS, they were ready to use a similar vaccine profile. Mm-hmm. So this is not new. Secondly, when you take about this not new process, if you take things that happen in sequence, right, step one, step two, step three, and flip them to happen in parallel from the bureaucracy perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, you're allowed to get a lot more things done. And when industry and, and government get aligned, which doesn't happen often, um, you can move quickly. The part that take the same amount of time is the clinical research, period. Same amount of time as with any vaccine, any drug. They can't speed that up. They won't speed that up.
1: And there was a worldwide yeah. necessity. It was a worldwide. So, world so it wasn't like pivoted. a few people needed no. this. It was like
0: everybody over the world the needs world. it. So
1: obviously there would be more intensity in the in the dollars. It was in Absolutely. Yeah. it was
0: the urgency. It's um, I work for a large multinational corporation. They have a big R and D group globally. If we pivoted and said, we're going to work on one project mm-hmm. and spend the billions of dollars that we spend on R and D on one project. It can happen quickly. Mm-hmm.
3: It can happen quickly. But right. well, we
2: have a caller now, Al Mims' brother, Al. Good morning.
3: Good morning. Good morning. And y'all, y'all right on time. I, I just want to say this, Sister Sally. I look at people. We be out in in the shopping mall. You know, people are are are, are 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 getting postal and stuff. But they still out in the malls. They they children don't have no masks. They don't have no masks. And um, but. They got people that I know of that said that they done got fake mad They done paid forty dollars for for fake IDs. I mean, that, yeah, that's COVID a little bit, me, Yeah. It, yeah. So I'm. I'm. Thank you for letting me have my comment. But this thing is real. Uh, my wife had it a year ago, and I thought I was gonna lose her. Mm-hmm. And, and and this thing is real. It it, it don't it don't play. It don't discriminate. But, uh thank you for for what y'all do here.
2: Well, thank you for what you do. I appreciate you, Al, thanks for calling in. Fake COVID IDs. They come up exactly. with IDs. Oh, yeah.
1: In, in fact, uh, Antonio Brown. You beat me to w- it. Yeah, with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Mm-hmm. He served a three-week suspension. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, I mean, it's just so tragic. Mm-hmm. I mean, why? You know? And, and and in the NFL, you don't have to be vaccinated. I mean, unfortunately, they have to have certain rules where they keep their mask on and they do other things. But you had to still lie about being vaccinated when he didn't have to lie about it. Yeah. Um. But just like when Aaron Rodgers, you know um you know so yeah Mm. but what do you say you know i've also heard though monique that um about people with the vaccine um Mm. you know about sterile you can make you sterile and all of that kind of stuff Mm. um you know where is all that stuff coming from
0: i mean again the sort of fake news bucket this idea of that that message has been perpetuated uh unfortunately or fortunately rather is that there is no data to support that there's a lot of research that continues to go on about the vaccine and the virus and organizations like the cdc and all of that kind of stuff
2: well we're going to take a break when then we're going to be back and we're going to have more from monique henry to- watson watson mm-hmm. we'll be talking and so keep it locked right here on wblk 12 30 a.m Welcome back to the Good Morning Show on WBOK. And we are so happy to have Monique Troy Watson here this morning. (laughs) It's great to have the boss's daughter here. That's right. That's right. And (laughs) more than that. She's much more than that.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I was, you know, reading your bio, and uh, you mentioned earlier that you're a graduate of, uh, we share, Howard University. Mm-hmm. doing uh, in the our history, that's my heart right. uh, But you also, you know, went to LSU for your master's degree in, in your public health. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you know, there's been a lot of uh, discussion just, you know, last year or so with Deion Sanders, uh, major athlete, going to Jackson State, becoming the head coach. And um and not only did he turn that their program around, but now recently you know he flipped a person who was going to a predominantly white school, Florida State, where he went to uh, Jackson State. But it sparked off just a whole another round of conversation about HBCUs versus PWIs. And since you've done both, uh, what say you uh, about that discussion? Absolutely. I,
0: my my motivation, one honestly, I looked at um a lot of different schools when I was selected an undergrad i did look at xavier but i was like i don't want to live that close to home just for me to kind of get that dynamic you know i got a lot of xavier alumni in my history um i looked at seriously got down to howard and carnegie mellon and i went to visit carnegie mellon and the energy there um both in the city of pittsburgh sorry no shade for anyone listening if you're from (laughs) pittsburgh but more so from the energy the students and especially the students that i saw that look like me it was just a place that will either grind you out and you succeed or grind you out and you, and you struggle. And for me, that wasn't the energy I really wanted in my undergraduate, especially experience. Then I went to Howard and I went to an event for accepted students and it was just um, an energy and a breath of fresh air to look to your right, to your left, front, back. And there's so many people from all over the world that look more like me. And the professors that look more like me more than more than anything, the students, the administration, for better or for worse. You know the A building. Don't, don't go there. We now, ain't going go there. there. But I mean, every institution has their challenges. Yeah. Um, but it was just an amazing environment, and I'm glad to see more of that conversation. And I think we can thank a little bit former President Trump, which I don't often utter the, the Orange Man's name, um, for creating such an environment that that took a lot of folks to switch and say, I want to go to a safe space and I want to go to a place that supports me as an African-American that supports me as a person of color that really builds us up and
1: in a unique way. And, but, and how did you find then your, your experience at LSU? Um, LSU was cool. Grad school is grad school a little mm-hmm. bit. Like you kind
0: of go in there and, um, get what you need to do done. Mm-hmm. It was not a bad place, mm-hmm. but it's definitely a different energy environment. Yes. It was a great place. I've made a lot of great friends. Mm-hmm. Um, But the friends I made were, were like awesome. And some of them are my wedding. So, I mean, you can meet, I'm, I'm a little bit of yeah. like, I, I can fit in anywhere. Yeah.
1: And you also had a different phase in your life. When a different phase school, in So life. you're not looking for some of the same no, things that you I was, are.
0: I was looking mm-hmm. to move to to get a master's degree at that time until like halfway between my like first and second year where I realized I no longer wanted to go to medical school. Mm-hmm. Um but I honestly was focused on getting this master's degree, um, being at a place that I could afford and not want to spend two lane money. No shade on Tulane. got mm-hmm. a lot of Tulane alums, mm-hmm. father in law, my husband, all this kind of stuff. But I for a two year degree it wasn't the amount of money that I wanted to spend and still go to a good recognized program. Um so yeah, I think They're different dynamics and honestly, different strokes for different folks. Um, But I think to I'm excited by what I see from Deion Sanders and a lot of people in this conversation of of HBCUs being uh, reinvigorated Mm -hmm. of as a as a place and a real successful place where you can be successful. I mean, with our illustrious. Vice pre- Madam Vice President,
1: my classmate, your classmate, that's right. That's yes, a, that's my, she she beat me for a freshman class president. Uh, I see. <laughs> I did not oh, know yeah. that. Oh wow. yeah, well, we weren't friends, but I knew, who I knew who wow. she was. I knew she was, and I remember the first thing when I when I met her, and I said. Dag, she's smart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. So you
2: were actually running for the same office, mm-hmm.
1: freshman year, pre- class president.
2: Oh, so you had debates it, and all that.
1: Had, we had one debate. We had one oh, yeah. debate. Yeah, and but and she she won it. You know. <laughs> <laughs> well. So I don't feel bad now because, you know, she's the VP. She's the VP. How (laughs) can I compete? That's right. Yeah, yeah, so she um, definitely, we we had a great class, that class.
0: I think her candidacy is just done so much for the world of HBCUs and highlighted. Mm -hmm. I I can't tell you the number of times I've had to explain where Howard is or Mm -hmm. that Howard is an HBCU or Mm -hmm. that a lot of people, um, usually Caucasian folks that have never heard of it up until a point. But I think her candidacy opened the doors and eyes further Mm -hmm. to people Mm -hmm. to understand what HBCUs are and even that they exist and where they are in the world. That's right. Yeah, my my daughter
2: went to Howard as well as Xavier. So, you know, there's a lot to be said about the HBCUs. They do so much. And um, I believe that Kamala Harris is is doing a lot
1: for for Howard University.
2: And a lot of um, professors have decided to moved to Howard.
1: That's right, that's right, yeah, with the 1619 Project, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. Hannah Jones. Mm-hmm. She said, well, forget y'all, y'all don't want yeah, me over it'll there. It'll be. I know some place like, where they want me. Yeah. And everything. We took so, her in with
0: open arms. That, that's right. Mm-hmm. So,
1: so you're moving back home, uh, you and your husband, Yes. and I know you, you, um, as an intelligent young woman that you are, you're paying attention to the local landscape, and this of course, facts. we just had a whole lot of elections. It, we did. So, so what are you thinking about? Are you excited about um, the future, and uh, given our, our current landscape and, and future? I
0: am. I think we're on the press of a renaissance that we have been needing for decades. Um, My dad, when he was running for office the first time, talked about, you know, when he left in the late 70s, early 80s, you know, Atlanta, Houston, and New Orleans were Pierce's cities. We were on sort of the same playing ground. Atlanta and Houston rose you know, they have these great industries. Houston's got the, you know, biomedical complex with medical schools and all that kind of stuff. Atlanta, sort of the, the southern industries of entertainment and a whole whole host of other places, Coca-Cola, places like that. And then when you returned to New Orleans in 1998, New Orleans was sort of in the same space, right? And if anything, it maybe lost some ground. So I think we're on the precipice with Bayou Phoenix um, with a lot of these opportunities that are coming down. And I think COVID has taught us that we have to move beyond tourism in a real way because whether it be another global pandemic, a natural disaster, having a concrete industry besides oil and gas, which is a mm-hmm. great, great place, but that's, that dynamic is changing with the green energies and, and what those kinds of jobs is technology imp- impedes every walk of life. Um, not impedes, but in in gets into every aspect of different jobs, um, it's a different – we need to move forward and move with the times and continue to do that. It's starting. It's starting slowly. We're getting a lot of industries that are starting to poke in. Um, but I think the Bayou Phoenix and the Logistics Center and the future of supply chain and logistics as we see it is going to be an anchor point for New Orleans to then grow and and expand. And you're going to be here. You're moving back home from California. Yeah. The pandemic has offered me the opportunity to do, I work remotely. Mm -hmm. So I work remotely. My husband works in, in the software engineering space. He too works remotely. And we looked at each other the other day and we're like, so, um, California, Mm -hmm. the Bay area is probably one of the most expensive places to live. I, I, and I'll be very transparent. I spend $3,600 a month to rent a two bedroom, two bath apartment. Wow. A 1,000 square feet, no yard, Mm, mm, mm. tiny kitchen. Mm -hmm. It's nice. Mm -hmm. I like it. $3,600 a month. And now you can come here. I can come here. I can be surrounded. My biggest thing, yes, expensive is part of it, but I'm, you know, I'm a child of New Orleans. My husband was born and raised here, went to Tulane. Before we moved to Canada, he had never lived anywhere outside of the state. So we want to come back here. Because all of our family is here, both of his parents, both of my parents. I got aunts, uncles, cousins, yeah. you know, play cousins, all that and kind your, of stuff. And children, can, your children. children. My, that network mm-hmm. that I wouldn't have in California yeah. of a laundry list of people to care for my future children. No. Yeah. Anybody listen? This is not a pregnancy announcement. <laughs> Every time I post about future children, like, oh, you pregnant. I am not pregnant.
3: Dad, <laughs> well, if you're listening,
0: <laughs> I am not pregnant. Okay. But in the near term, mm-hmm. we want to start having kids and raising mm-hmm. kids here. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a place where the thing about New Orleans that differs it from the Atlanta and Houston, as we talk about Southern Pier cities, is that there is a culture and a heartbeat here that doesn't exist in Atlanta and Houston. It just does not. There's a, And that's why people fall in love with New Orleans and move here. There's enough people that have returned after Katrina that the culture still stays for the most part the positive sides of our culture there's some challenges that are mm-hmm. in our culture and mm-hmm. our past that we need to move forward with but yeah so i've definitely been keeping up on politics and trying to see where the where the city is going i was going to move back regardless yeah. um but trying to keep a pulse on what's going on
2: did the pandemic have anything to do with your decision to cuz i, I found that people are making changes
0: in the way they live
2: since the pandemic
0: so i think it definitely catapulted the ability to move back but i had always planned at some point to hopefully move back whether it was a five-year term whether that was going to be with the company i was with Mm -hmm. or whether it was going to you know move companies to somewhere else either locally or be able to work remotely and then earlier this year um i had what is now my supervisor approach me about this position And we talked about it and said, well, it sounds to me, it sounds like this is a remote position. Would you be supportive of me moving to New Orleans? And he said, absolutely, you can do this job for anywhere. I was like, very clear that that was sort of why I was like, Mm -hmm. okay, yes, I'm definitely interested in this position. Mm -hmm. Because I, you know, I was previously tied to a specific site. You know, I am supporting that Palo Alto site. So I need to be in the San Francisco Bay Area. Um, This allows me the opportunity to travel I don't have any direct reports, which anybody who leaves people knows that's a blessing. Mm-hmm. Only do it. Um, but but work,
2: yeah. Working remotely um, and working from home, it requires you to be a self-starter. Correct. I mean, it's a whole, it takes it's, other It's a skills. different dynamic.
0: It's a different dynamic working from home it's a different dynamic um, and sort of you have to balance so that you can have a work-life mm-hmm. balance. I think what people mm-hmm. struggled with in the pandemic yeah. because we haven't done it before and people's homes weren't set up for that is that you would end up working a lot more, right? You get into where life work life is fully bleeding into your regular life and you're spending what, where you wouldn't spend 12 hours or 14 hours on the job you're spending that time. So setting up your home life, if for those with tips or ideas for working from home, setting up where you still set work hours and you still set commute time. So that same commute time where you would clear your head, set that 30 minutes to, you know, read a book.
1: That's a good idea. That's yeah. a good idea. Virtual
0: yeah. commute time. If you have the opportunity and space to have a separate office so that you close the door mm-hmm. and physically, okay, my work day is over. Boom. Mm-hmm. And then get back to whatever your normal crazy. Yeah. What do you do with your is. cell
1: phone? Then what do you do with your?
0: <laughs> so I have so I have two. Oh, cell, yeah. I have two cell phones. Okay. So a work phone and a personal phone. Okay. I, thankfully, not tied to a site. Not too many yep. emergencies. <laughs> knock on wood. Happen so that I need to be on call. Yeah. So I keep it around. Keep an eye on it. See that I miss calls or whatever, but I try to separate. That's why I have mm. two cell phones. People are like, how do yeah. you manage to? I said, I like the separation of church and state. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like what I do at home, that phone rings. I don't mm. know the number. My personal phone rings, you know, I won't answer it. Yeah. If, if my work phone rings, I usually answer because I'm like, not a lot more people have my number than I have their number. Mm-hmm.
2: So. I'd like your ideas about where the country is headed right now. There are a lot of people who are concerned that our very democracy might be at stake. It is.
0: I think it absolutely is at stake. I think, um, again, going back to this fake news, the fact that we've even politicized this pandemic is absolutely ridiculous. I think that's where you're this anti (laughs) (laughs) the the anti-vax sentiment, the, you know, the anti uh, mask wearing sentiment that's based on political information, political politicized Mm -hmm. fake news. That's right. That's not about the data. It's not about the facts. It's not about the multi-billion dollar CDCs and WHOs who do actual research, not the researchers, air quotes, who looked up some stuff on the Internet in their phone and now all of a sudden they're VAX experts.
2: So Mm -hmm.
0: that is absolutely Mm -hmm. an issue.
2: And also Mm -hmm. those efforts to try to get rid of the election workers and they're being harassed and they're they're quitting (laughs) and then others are willing to step in. And why?
1: Well, and laws have been, have been changed yes. around the country yeah. now Correct. so that they can basically undo an election, mm-hmm. you know, by taking it out of the hand of local election officials who stood up when they needed to, thankfully. Yes. Um, but now if it goes to the legislature almost automatically that are Repu- you know and Republican can imagine controlled, what that would happen. If- yeah. And so we definitely need to always as much as we can talk about the you know, the John Lewis mm-hmm. um, voting rights bill that yes. needs to be passed. And there's, there's another one, I believe. But um, but yeah, I mean, we just need those. Yeah, uh, you know, and it's and it's crazy in 2021 mm-hmm. to still be talking about voting uh, rights. Voting rights. You know, you would think we would overcome that, but here locally, um, we have a, a new um, a female sheriff.
0: Yes.
2: Uh,
1: and a lot of new other um, positions. So, what do you think about some of our elected um, offices here and the change here?
0: I think again, new person that, I think in the
1: east or n- a new old person. A new a, new a return <laughs> to a,
0: a, a favorite son of this yeah, station, yeah. right, and uh, of the city of New Orleans. And it's a powerful story with Oliver, with his redemption and the things he's come out of from having, you know, having his issues that he had Mm -hmm. previously. Um, And I think it's an opportunity um, and it'll be interesting to see. And I I hope we as the people give new elected officials who maybe haven't held office before or held that level of office before the grace they deserve. Mm -hmm. I'm actually really interested in the sheriff's position. Um, You know, I believe Marlon Guzman was in that role for 17, 17 years. years. Mm -hmm. So it's an interesting new dynamic. We've had some uh, challenges that have made the national news in the last few years that that may present um, that presented New Orleans and sort of the parish prison system in a negative light Mm -hmm. Um, and giving someone new a different opportunity. Um, I think is, you know, always good. If you're doing the same thing, as you notice know, that definition of insanity at some point. Mm-hmm. So we, we have a different understanding. It'll be interesting, but I think especially um, with Sheriff Hudson is it'll be interesting. Her playing with Jason Williams as the DA presents a new dynamic in, in law enforcement and the prison system and uh, the criminal justice system as a whole that I hope they play well together and really look at this from a step back and look at it, a holistic view. There's mm-hmm. some tactical things I'm sure they'll have to do in a day to day. But to step back and say, OK, how do we work with the school systems and other things to to disrupt the school to prison pipeline that continues throughout the country? But and, and things like that to really look at how do we prevent crime? How do we prevent people getting into these altercations, these high energy kind of volatile situations? Mm -hmm. How do we improve our education system? How do we be a part of the solution to improve, you know, criminal justice as it looks in in Orleans Parish? So Mm -hmm. I hope to see some changes there and see some how that how that works. And we give them the grace to do that.
1: Yeah. well, just yesterday, Sally, we have the uh, police chief. Uh, Mm -hmm. on with us and one of our callers reverend rick Rick i believe it was and he mentioned um why don't y'all talking about the elected officials and the appointed uh, people such as chief ferguson you know get together and have get and have a a plan you know to present to the people so to speak and um i think the good news with what's happening now is you know um yeah the, the da um endorsed the sheriff the new sheriff so hopefully they, they, they will work together, as you said. Um, the uh, Now, it's interesting. The mayor didn't say anything in, in terms of the, the sheriff's race. So, you know, presumably she's ready to work with whoever is going to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, with the police chief. So I do think our city desperately needs um, a, a unified plan. Correct. Very, all those partners working together mm-hmm. for the benefit of all. And um, we got to save a generation, you know, because um, you mentioned education and how many kids, 16 to 24, are disconnected, um, or just out there on the, you know, not going to school yeah. and not employed. Yep. Um, and so, and then we want to get what, you know, well, how come, you know, this and how come that, well, you know, that you gotta be doing something when you're 16 to 24 that's Correct. productive, Correct. you know? So, yeah, yeah.
0: it's definitely, um, Yeah. So that that's absolutely true. I think it's really important to to have I mean, with anything, just like in business, if you have a strategic plan, whether that Mm -hmm. that plan isn't going to happen overnight. That's why I say about the grace of it. Right. Mm -hmm. In one year, some people are going to be like, well, you know, we should go. We'll go back to because, you know, maybe something doesn't work out as perfectly as we expect it to or in the time in which we the public expect things to do. We want a microwave situation when you really need an oven perspective and really to move forward. At, you know, every, you know, can I
1: steal that? A microwave situation. We need <laughs> an oven, oven
0: perspective. perspective. Come you on. You better it. write. You better trademark oh, that before yeah, you leave here. Yeah. Yeah. Won't he do it? You know, <laughs> yeah. won't he do it? Yeah. No, you, uh, um, you can have that. Or we'll let you have it. You I'll preach. Think that I'll let you. That's eat. right. That's yeah. Let me have oh, that oh, oh, Sunday. That's Sunday. Oh, oh, don't be surprised. Oh, I can see <laughs> that. Well, that's going to be yeah, a good I sermon. mean, just our society, we've moved to the social media. Everything yeah. is quick. The internet is fast now. Mm-hmm. Everything is quick. and We need to understand that there things do take time mm-hmm. and to really
1: But you know people money. are, are, are they're, impatient they're, now.
0: they're impatient. And um, that, rightfully so, right? It, we've taken generation on generation to say, I'm going to do it better. And some situations were still in the same situation. Yeah. So,
1: well, yeah. and like, you know, I love one of the mayor's, you know, um, campaign commercials. You said you know, about kicking things down the can. I don't know if you saw it, you kicking know, can but can he, had right, yeah, yeah. he said no more kicking things down the can down the road. Correct. You know, now, if not now, when? when? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and I think, you know, we talk about within the East without, you know, Miss um, Wynn you know, was a wonderful person. It was only there, you know, for one term. But mm-hmm. there's that impatience. It's Correct. like, what have you done for me lately? You Correct. know, what have you people done now? Hungry. And I think same thing in District B. Yep. You know, mm-hmm. Councilman Banks and people are like, you know, what have you done lately? Mm-hmm. And so that's a good thing. But we still need grace. We still need at the grace. same time, you know, that that healthy impatience. Yeah. You know, that we're willing to work with you. Yes. Uh, and as long as we can see progress, progress. then we, we okay. But if we see, you know, you know, that's not happening, then then. We, we gonna we yeah. gonna we gonna flick the lever. Absolutely. There's,
2: there's a great deal of impatience, particularly in the uh, lower ninth ward and New Orleans East, Correct. and that's why. Um, in four years, we don't see enough. We're gonna move on, yeah. even though the person who was uh, Sydney Nguyen, was a very, uh, um, very concerned um, uh, leader. She was always online answering constituents' uh, yep. complaints and dealing with things, but. People want to see brick and mortar. They want to see progress. And so I think um, that our incoming um, councilman is hungry. Mm -hmm. And I think that uh, Oliver Thomas is going to, Make some changes, and but they but the thing is, every four mm. years.
1: Well, and of happen. course, there's something special that will be happening in New Orleans East in the next few years. Yes, yes, that, that, oh. that you You yes. know a little something about it. I huh? do
0: know a little something. <laughs> little being the operative word. Um, and this was not meant to be a plug for Bayou Phoenix, but why not? Because it's it, it is, I think, honestly, the precipice part of I've been talking about this renaissance for New Orleans, of which COVID, I think, has presented a unique opportunity for us to. re-level set ourselves Mm -hmm. right so the bayou phoenix initiative again that's a that's an oven situation you're Mm -hmm. not going to go from unused ground you Mm -hmm. know unused um former theme park and magically in, you know, just like when my dad was on here, it's going to be a multi-year plan. Mm -hmm. It's going to take time. We're in phase zero of getting all the things in line. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that is going to be such an anchor for not just the East. It'll be great for the East and and developing new jobs, but it's going to be anchor, I think for the city, especially the logistics center, logistics and supply chain. Anybody who's ordering Mm -hmm. Christmas gifts knows that that is a challenge and something we the U.S. has to figure out. We're uniquely situated in New Orleans. We got the port. We're right off, you know, Chalmette. We're right in the east. You have everything you would need to become a logistics hub. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, we're hurricanes and whatever, but pick a natural disaster anywhere in the United States. They got their own challenges everywhere. Um, but that is going to be such a great place. The travel um, sports arena situation. Mm-hmm. Travel. The travel sports industry is Huge. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. My son was yeah. in AAU. I know. Yeah.
0: AAU yeah. For, for pick a sport, softball, mm-hmm. baseball, basketball, all that. That is a big industry. Mm-hmm. Lots mm-hmm. of money coming into the city of New Orleans. Yes. Hopefully stays Get some of that in the city of New Orleans, not too much of the state and trying the to pull park, the and water the, park, the hotels things, and all things for that. locals, people, mm-hmm. things for tourists, a family friendly environment because New Orleans gets the, the rap for better or for worse, of, you know, a place like Vegas, right? Where you come in, you party hard, you go down a bourbon, you show things, all the things. Mm-hmm. Um, but not necessarily a family environment that the people who live here know that New Orleans can be.
1: That's right. That's so, right.
0: And do you know New Orleans was a proposed site for Disneyland? Mm-hmm. I heard that, yes. So someone had a vision back then. It's <laughs>
1: nice
2: to know, know it's going to
0: be carried out now. I think absolutely. I think it's the key is that we, we, we and this goes back to the bigger plan with elected officials, to make sure to think strategically about our decisions mm-hmm. and things that happen. And, and, and even having the governor, who they are, and just – being aligned with the vision for the state, the vision for the city, mm-hmm. um, because, you know, we should have had the light rail that went to Baltimore. Oh, yes, that should have. Co- that was mm-hmm. supposed they said to come that, here.
1: Yeah. Recently they said that's going to happen. Um, perhaps, maybe, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe. Mm-hmm. but we'll it see. needs to happen. Yes.
0: It's where when you reject sort of these longer term visions that that. Maybe in the short term you're like you don't see why we would need it, and you know everybody's got cars, da 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 da, or whatever the reasons were at that time. You know, I was in school, mm-hmm. like high school or something, when that decision was made. You know, you're yeah. older than me a lot. Older. We're all, we're older all than you. everyone everyone, everyone, here. everyone that in that the drive. studio today. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so yeah. thinking strategically, thinking about what will that mean for this for the city of New Orleans, for the state, and things like that. Mm-hmm. I think we're on the precipice of leaders that are ready to do that. Um, and are doing that so i think it's very exciting
2: well good things are coming our way and it's so nice to know that your family you and your family are going to be reunited your husband and you coming on to new orleans and we know that you're going to do great things here monique thank you so much for joining us monique henry watson remember that name
0: absolutely part of the henry family yes yes Mm -hmm. thanks for being here with us today. thank you for having me it's been great
2: and we always like Monique to end with the word, um, you know, word for, for the day. Um, I, just a word to keep us going. Yes. Food for
1: thought. All right. I'll, and, I'll, you know, I'll no one can, can do that better than pastor. <laughs> well, you know, I want to say to this, say this, change is happening. Change is happening even when you can't see it. Uh, just believe that change is happening. When I was in about fourth grade, uh, I had a teacher that um, one day said, we're going to learn about the caterpillar. And, of course, everybody was like, the caterpillar, I don't like caterpillars, they're ugly, they're this, they're that. But then she put on the little video, and it showed how the caterpillar would be hatched from the egg. Um, And then the caterpillar would start eating all that it can eat, uh, its leaves and everything. And then, uh, at one point, it would hang upside down, and then it would spin itself into what we know as that cocoon. And it would stay in that cocoon for a period of time. And then I think we all know what happens. After a little while, it breaks out of that cocoon, Mm -hmm. and it becomes a butterfly. And I always loved butterflies, and, and at that time, I never knew where they came from. And I'm still amazed that something as beautiful as a butterfly... Can come from something as ugly as a, ma- <laughs> as, a, as a as a caterpillar, but that's how all of us are. Yes. We none of us are where we mm-hmm. are, and, and we just got there, you know, yeah. overnight. Mm-hmm. But there was a process, and sometimes we didn't see. Sometimes others couldn't see. You know, in that cocoon, we can't see what's going on, but something special is happening. So don't worry about a thing. Just keep on staying in that cocoon. Just keep on letting God develop you. Change is happening, and you're going to be better tomorrow than you were yesterday.
2: Woo! <laughs> Ooh, that, that's a word. Yes, Lord. Pastor,
1: pastor.
2: Torrance Sanders, pastor of the, Sixth, the six, Street. Sixth, Baptist. Sixth Street Baptist Church. Sixth Baptist Church. Yes. Around since 1838.
1: 58, 58, <laughs> 1850. You almost got it.
2: That's right, Shannon. <laughs> 1858. I'm a retiree. That's all <laughs> <a little right. laughs> I'm retired. But I want to thank you so much for joining us on WBOK, the Good Morning Show. And stick around because the front porch With Graylin B. and Jazz Behind the Glass is coming up right now. And until we meet again, remember, your power is on.
0: Wow, that was a very robust discussion around politics, the pandemic, New Orleans, and just the future of the city. So I want to thank so much for WBOK for having me on their station, sitting down with the legend, the myth, the wonderful queen of media, I would say, in New Orleans, Sally Ann Robertsville. Thank you for that opportunity. And Dr. Torrin Sanders, it was a great opportunity to talk about, you know, the future of New Orleans as we wrap up 2021 and we look towards 2022 and beyond. um, I think it was a good opportunity to kind of reflect of where we've come in the pandemic, that the pandemic still rages, the future of New Orleans and sort of what a post-election wherever you are can look like and giving those elected officials the grace and time to get used to and really understand behind the curtain of their elected office and what it's going to take to progress forward. So in this episode, as I do every episode, every problem has a solution. It's whether you're willing to do the work to find it. Let's do the work and be victorious.